0: Feels so good to be back! Oh my god, I'm so excited. Hello, welcome to Kiara gets drunk and talks about music. Today we are talking about Continuum by John Mayer, released in 2006 under Aware and Columbia Records. And my guest is Farah. Hey, hey, Glad Vera, to be back. Welcome back to the pod. You are joining us via Zoom.
1: Yes, happy again,
0: to, happy to have you here in the virtual sense,
1: as always. Yes, the virtual rooms; those yes. are too common. Too frequent. Too common. I
0: hate it, but we're not going to dwell on that today. No. Um, and this is also your seventh, sixth time? Sixth time on the pod, I think.
1: Wow. Has it really been that many times? It's crazy. Wow. It's absolutely crazy. And I mean, the first what? time
0: you were on the pod was almost a year ago, which is oh insane.
1: God. Yeah. And I so- think it was like
0: October, right? Yeah. November? The world yeah. was very different then. We we were able to be in the same room <laughs> together, but um, yeah. no, it's been it's been such an honor to have you on and I'm so happy you're back for literally for a sixth time. That's that's insane. You're the longest uh, the longest running guest.
1: Oh my gosh, honored. I'm so honored. Yay. I'm even honored. more than your brother?
0: Oh, 100%. Ethan, are you kidding? Did you listen to Ethan's episode? He had no idea how many times he he
1: had even been on. But
0: Pharaoh, we're talking about John Mayer today.
1: I'm so excited. This album means so much to me. I don't know about you, Kiara, but it does to me. (laughs) It
0: totally does. And I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on the songs on the record, too. I feel like it resonated with me in a different way than I was expecting, I guess, during this very strange time that the world is in.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like this album definitely aged well in contrast to our last pod.
0: Agreed. <laughs> Which an album? If anybody listened to uh, our episode on Bruno Mars's "Doo and Hooligans," one of the lower-rated albums that we've done on "Kara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music." Yeah. Um, but go back and listen if you do want to see. We, we feel like we took a very critical approach with Bruno Mars. You know, we saw the good and the bad and the ugly, and we and we were very objective in our analysis. Exactly.
1: I yeah, I think. I think so too. We love Bruno, but that wasn't his best work. The best was yet to come for him.
0: Oh, Versace on the floor, man!
1: Yeah. I feel like this album was like Versace on the floor, kind of, but I feel like John Mayer just whatever he puts out is like incredible.
0: So great. So talented. So talented. And speaking mm-hmm. of the man himself, what do you say, Farrah? We go into uh, learning a little bit more about who John Mayer is and how he came to be the rock star he is today. Brace yourself. It's nothing groundbreaking. Yeah. Like
1: <laughs> be prepared. It's honestly it's a lame childhood. Like he grew up in the suburbs. I'll let you take it away. Sorry. Continue. <laughs>
0: John Mayer, he's an American singer, songwriter, and guitarist. He grew up in Bridgeport, Connecticut, which is probably the most vanilla place you could ever <laughs> grow up. Connecticut. Bridgeport, Connecticut. Um, have we been drinking too much already? Maybe. 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 Mm -hmm. Um, A young John Mayer actually picked up the guitar after watching the movie Back to the Future, and he was fascinated with Michael J. Fox's character playing electric guitar, and then started to be influenced by artists such as Stevie Ray Vaughan and B.B. King. Mm
1: -hmm. Hmm.
0: So John Mayer actually attended the Berklee College of Music, but he ended up dropping out and then he moved to Atlanta. And in Atlanta was when he began playing small gigs in the city. And it was after an appearance at South by Southwest in 2001, where he got his first record deal with Aware Records, then was joined by Columbia Records. And his first EP called Inside Wants Out was released that year. His first full-length studio album was released in September 2001, which housed the singles No Such Thing, Your Body is a Wonderland, and mm. why Georgia? Mm. Your Body is a Wonderland is like probably like would you say it's the most iconic John Mayer song?
1: We'll talk about that. But Okay. Ooh, leave me leave first, me wanting more. It's the first, I will say. I, I love Why Georgia more though. I do. Interesting. Oh. And I also think uh, there are a lot of iconic songs there's a lot of, of, of iconic songs on this album like that made me super excited but i yeah i'll go into mo- <laughs> your body is a wonderland like my when when that song came out we were in like grade one well, grade 2001 two. yeah we yeah. were like six or so- <laughs> we were like six and i thought the song was so stupid like yeah i didn't get right because like there's a lot of metaphors in that song and i yeah. was all about like jlo and R and B music and the song was always playing on the soft rock music station that my parents like to listen to. So I was always like, This song sucks. It's kinda lame. And then John Mayer's voice was very like soft and like soothing and that just wasn't my vibe. Yeah, you wanted you wanted
0: that R and B in grade one. I wanted a song I could dance to.
1: Yeah. I was a very simple creature back then. And that's and I had beef with that song. I was like, why does everyone love the song so much? And then when I grew up, I was like, Oh, I I like this song. It's great. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I remember really
0: liking, maybe not when I was six, because I'm sure it was probably very inappropriate for me to be watching, but I do remember the video because it has Jennifer Love Hewitt in the video.
1: Yeah, who he was seeing at well, the time, I think he right? was dating,
0: yeah. I mean, he had a lot of, John Mayer's quite the ladies' man. He There's, is. That's no surprise. Go he's that. got a long list, like, what, Katy Perry, Jessica Simpson, Taylor Swift, Jennifer Aniston, Jennifer yeah. Love Hewitt. I feel like he's, you know, he, he had quite the quite the roster. especially The Jennifers. The, the Jennifers, yeah. But also, mm-hmm. another fan of the Jennifers, Ben Affleck. Yes. <laughs> Benefer forever. Benefer forever, but not actually, because no. Ben Affleck is also highly problematic in of recent <laughs> events. Yeah, So good for yeah. you, J Lo. Hustle, girl, hustle. <laughs> okay, that was that was a bit of a tangent, but I'm just gonna touch back on your body as a wonderland for a yeah, brief moment. <laughs> Body Your body in is a wonderland. That was the song that gave John Mayer his first Grammy for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance. So it's obviously a very special song to him as well. Mm-hmm. However, the album we're talking about today, called Continuum, is Mayer's third studio album and it came out in September 2006 following John's self-inflicted break from what he called acoustic sensitivity, quote unquote, mm-hmm. using air quotes for our pod listeners who can't see me, and it was his foray into hip-hop collaborations with people like Common and Kanye West. So during the time he spent on Continuum, he was collaborating with a lot of hip hop artists and experimenting with integrating that into a part of his sound. This album had five singles, Waiting on the World to Change, Belief, Gravity, Dreaming with a Broken Heart, and Say, the album debuted at number two on the billboard 200 chart and to date has sold over 5 million copies globally it was nominated for three grammys that year including album of the year and it won two best pop vocal album and best male pop vocal performance for waiting on the world to change and that is continuum Mm -hmm. any questions
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no I, i mean i don't have any questions but this album was really good um And we'll talk a little bit more about the songs, but I feel like now that we're kind of at the age that he was probably when he wrote these songs and he was recording these songs, Mm -hmm. I kind of understand it a lot more because he talks a lot about, like, you know, he talks about heartbreak and stuff and that's all great and all, but- he talks about his position in the world, like in Waiting on the World to Change, Stop This Train, you know, and I feel like that those songs resonate with us a little bit more, especially at a time like this in a pandemic, because we're literally sitting indoors, waiting on the world to change, like waiting for a vaccine, we're waiting for things to happen, we're growing, we're, you know, people are making life decisions, or they're being sped up or slowed down by the pandemic, and like Stop This Train is kind of that song dedicated to growing up and saying I want to stop this train I want to stop growing up and I feel like this definitely hit it struck a few chords if you will I
0: when you so side note for our listeners Farah did send me a text message that said this album really stuck a chord with me and then in parentheses she wrote pun intended pun (laughs) intended (laughs) It the mi- <laughs> I'm lame. I it might've been the greatest joke I had heard all day. I was like, God bless this woman. I'm so excited <laughs> to have her back on the <laughs> pond.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all day.
0: So because we're talking about John Mayer today, our drink is very fittingly named after another John, John Collins. Actually, I don't know if it's named after anybody, but it's called the John Collins. We'll just we'll just say that maybe perhaps one day. There was a bartender way back when. I should know that really as the host of this podcast, but <laughs> that's not okay. important. It's not important. Anyways, Farah and I made ourselves a John Collins tonight. And if you would like to make one for yourself, possibly listen to continuum at the same time. All you will need are two ounces of whiskey one ounce of lemon juice, one teaspoon of simple syrup. Combine those ingredients in a shaker filled with ice. Pour it into an old-fashioned glass. Add two ounces of club soda. And if you desire, you can garnish with a maraschino cherry and an orange slice.
1: Mm. And Farah,
0: how are you enjoying your John Collins?
1: You know what? It was a little too sweet at first. I put a little bit too much simple syrup because... I'm not sweet enough as is already, as you can kind of tell. So I was like trying to make (laughs) up for it with a drink. and She's spicy, folks. She's spicy. Spicy, exactly. And then I was like, hey, this sucks. So then my roommate was like, just add more whiskey. And I was like, whiskey. All right. Club (laughs) Thursday. Thursday. I actually thought that you chose the drink because John Mayer has that song. You know, that song that goes whiskey, whiskey, whiskey.
0: yes off of um born and raised
1: yes and I thought you chose that I thought you specifically chose a whiskey drink because of that song so I was like yeah whiskey okay doing it we're doing the John Mayer the John Collins whatever it's called we could call it the John Mayer for the purpose of, of this pod, but actually, you know what? I actually forgot about that song. Maybe because
0: I was, I think it's because I was thinking about Continuum and I was like, what? I was like, what could we make that's like a Continuum? And then I just got, I got fed up trying to find something. And I was like, well, John, John, John meet John, Collins, Mayer, whatever works in, in the glass, <laughs> Put it in a glass. I'll drink it. I um,
1: mean, it sounds like a rock star name, you know, having John two first Collins? names, John Collins, John Mayer, Mayer yeah. John, Collins, Mayer John, Jane, John. <laughs> what, it,
0: what town is um, John the Mayer? <laughs> Merger. John. <laughs> John. It's a Bridgeport, Connecticut accent. Oh, Connecticut.
1: <laughs> yeah. Bridgeport, Connecticut.
0: Again, this album came out 2006. You and I were about 12 at the time. Um but even before that, how did you first start listening to John Mayer? I know you said you listened to him on the radio with your parents, but did you like him right off the bat? Were you into it? How did that all happen? So,
1: I was never really into John Mayer at first when I was, well, yeah, when his first album came out when we were six. And then again, when his music came out, when I was 12, I was like, screw this. I want to listen to Usher. Like, no. And then I became a little bit more cultured. And I think like part of the reason why I didn't like it is obviously because it was soft rock. It Mm -hmm. was a very different vibe. I just wanted to dance to songs. This wasn't really danceable music. It was like, sit there and listen and be depressed. And I was like, I'm not about that life, you know?
0: Did you really think though, but like Your Body is a Wonderland is not depressing and why Georgia is not depressing.
1: No, it's not, but it was just a very different genre from what I liked. And then I think what the biggest shift was, was I got older and I was watching So You Think You Can Dance and there's a beautiful rendition, like a dance that they did to- um, Was it slow dancing in a burning room uh, or dreaming with a broken heart? Dreaming with a broken heart on the bed with Twitch. Yes. Yes. With Twitch in that one. Okay. I remember that one one. with the rose petals everywhere. Oh my gosh. And it was so moving. Yes. And I think like I was starting to, you know, get older and kind of have more of an understanding of life, heartbreak, things happening. And, you know, John Mayer loves to like play on these like themes. Right. And that's when that his music started to resonate with me and I started to do a little bit more research I guess and he plays a lot like as you mentioned with like r and and hip hop and blues and a lot of, you know, artists in that in those genres that I love so the transition once I got older was easy. But I just had to kind of be ready to, you know, accept John Mayer and listen to it and like be like, I like this, you know, and not be afraid to say that I liked it because I was like, oh, man, this music's so soft. But I was like, oh, but I love it. I'm soft. Your your street cred didn't take a hit there? Yeah. And it's ironic because, like, you and I listened to the Foo Fighters and I was, like, so about it. But, like, Foo Fighters is, like, hype. It's, like, yeah, screaming, yelling, and, like, yeah, you know? Whereas, like, John Mayer was, like, <laughs> yeah, we got the afternoon. And you're kind of, like, yeah, okay, John Mayer, like, chill, whatever. Yeah. He's, like,
0: the Nora Jones. He's, like, the male Nora Jones of, like, soft rock.
1: Yeah. 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 And he's so talented, like Nora Jones is too. So that was also kind of the thing too. But how did you start listening to John Mayer?
0: So, okay. So I didn't start listening to John Mayer until probably the Continuum album, to be honest. Um, My very first, like my earliest memory of John Mayer and learning who John Mayer was, was actually through um, Saturday Night Live. Oh. Because I was obsessed with um, Jimmy Fallon on Saturday Night Live for like forever. Like I always used to watch with my family and Jimmy would always do impressions like that was that was how he started he was a very he's a very talented impressionist Mm -hmm. and I remember him in an episode doing an impression of John Mayer and literally his impression was like he was like strumming like guitar chords whatever he had like kind of like the the curly John Mayer hair yeah yeah he just like went up to the mic and literally all he did was like (laughs) blah 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 like that's literally all he did (laughs)
1: Because that is what John Mayer sounded like to me as a six-year-old. I was like, this is stupid. This is boring.
0: I didn't have enough exposure to John Mayer to know that that impression was actually accurate, but it made my mom howl like I remember (laughs) watching her watch it and she was like this is spot on John Mayer that's when I started to discover more about him because I was like well I want to hear what he actually sounds like and like give this guy the benefit of the doubt probably heard your body is a wonderland in and around that time but like didn't know like I didn't make the connection oh it's John Mayer and that's the impression and this song is very sexual like I my six-year-old me went right over my head definitely not appropriate for for that age um yeah But then the continuum era was different. It's so funny. I'm so happy you brought up So You Think You Can Dance because that show shaped so much of my music taste because I was a dancer at the time and watching that season where they did Dreaming with a Broken Heart, they also did- um, They did uh, Slow Dancing in a Burning Room too. Slow Dancing in a Burning Room. And then there was like the season before, they actually did solos to Waiting on the World to Change. And so I was like, I was all about it and started listening to the album and I ended up uh, downloading the album. Um, And I kept up with them after that. So the album that came next was Battle Studies?
1: Battle Studies. I think so and then it was born and raised born and raised yeah and
0: then uh paradise valley i think is the most recent one that he's got in there um
1: love that album i love it all
0: yeah oh he's he's so talented and i think that's like my vibe with john mary's um even though i might not have followed his career as closely after continuum um Mm -hmm. i still appreciate and really like the music that he plays and i love when he plays award shows because like he can shred and it looks so like it looks so effortless, right? And I feel like that's a true, gu- a true sign of an amazing guitarist. I remember my dad always talking about how Prince is like one of the all-time best guitarists in the entire world. Mm-hmm. But when you watch Prince play, like if you go back and look at old clips, he just does it like it's nothing. Like it's like he's just like, he's like, oh, whatever. I'm just going to play this chord or do this thing. And he doesn't even like try but it Mm -hmm. sounds amazing. And my dad was like, that's how you know when someone's really good at guitar is when they can make it look easy. When in actuality, what they're doing is like insanely hard.
1: It weaves from him being like a rhythm guitarist to a soloist. And I mean, yeah, the one performance that really stands out in my mind is actually Michael Jackson's funeral when he played Human Nature on the guitar. And he just, it's like he made that guitar sing. And you were like singing along as like, you know, like nothing because it sounded, you know, so good and so smooth.
0: He's definitely one of the most like talented Mm -hmm. singer, songwriter, guitarists out there for sure. And like we were saying at the beginning too, I think uh, this record was interesting to listen to in 2020, you know, 14 years later after, after its release and making connections that I didn't expect to be making. And I think that's also the sign of a great, uh, a great record when you can keep listening to it over and over again in totally different times with unprecedented circumstances like the pandemic um, Mm -hmm. and appreciate it that much more. Yeah, we grew together. A grow together. together type love. Absolute grow together type love. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, on that note, Farrah, what do you say we start getting into the songs?
1: Yes. Get into the details, the nitty gritties. Oh, yes.
0: What's the song that you love
1: off this record? Where do you want to go first? Oh, my God. I love everything, which is really hard. Um... Okay. I actually want to talk about, let's talk about Stop This Train, because I was kind of talking about that a little bit earlier with you about growing up. Absolutely. Things changing. And you know, you may be seeing your family or your friends going into different phases of their life or having their life stopped because of the pandemic. But initially, I really love this song because I used to always listen to it. And it was always relevant to me in whatever phase of life that I was in, because it just makes you think of how far you've come and how much further you have to go in life, which gives you hope, but also makes you feel a little bit small. And it's a little bit daunting because you're like, holy crap. (laughs) And when I was 16, I was like, I'm going to graduate high school in a year or so. And then, you know, you think, oh my God, like my life is changing. I'm so old. And then you get to university and then you're like, oh my God. I'm in university and like I moved away from home or you, you don't, whatever. You're you're in school and you're like, I have to find a job or maybe I don't. And like, this is how far I've come. And I'm now in my twenties. And you're like, damn, I can't stop growing up. But like, this is what it is. And then now you turn 26 or 27 and you're like, well, damn. Yeah. You're like, shit. why was I worried? Like, here I am like, shit, fuck shit now. <laughs> you're like 30 is like right here. 30 is like <laughs> approaching and we're all just like, ah, stay away.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and aging is not a bad thing. I definitely no, have gotten caught up in that too, where I'm like spiraling and I'm, you know, having like three quarter life crisis crises in a year. Cause I'm like, shit, like 25, 26. Wow. He sings about talking to his dad about it. And that really struck a chord with me too. I need to stop saying that. Um, <laughs> that's going to be the pun of the episode. It really pun <laughs> yeah. He like when he sings about, you know, asking his dad for advice or whatever and his dad goes you're never going to stop this train and like what are you talking about like you're so young like that also resonated with me cuz I would talk to my parents or my older friends and they'd be like, don't worry about it. You're only X years old. Like you'll be fine. And I'm like, no, you don't understand.
0: I'm with you, girl. I, um, I really like this song as well. I guess the first couple of times I listened to it, um, I didn't necessarily pick up on the, it sounds dumb, but I didn't necessarily pick up on the whole train metaphor thing. Yeah. I was just kind of was like, Ooh, it's an easy listening song. Like it feels good on my ears. Like I was just, you know, like I was just, I was just there for the relaxing John Mayer vibes. I wasn't necessarily thinking about everything he was saying in the song, which is bad because I do believe that for you to truly experience a song, you have to go through and listen to the lyrics and see how they resonate with you. And that's, yeah. that's you know, that's 50% of the song is what the, the person's actually singing about. It sounds very obvious that I'm saying this to you, but like, you know what I mean? Um, I know what you mean. But it's, i a hundred percent agree with you. I feel like hearing this song now, I'm just like, I'm thinking about the things that I've done, but then I'm also thinking about like all the things that I want to do. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm okay. So like I'm 26. And I feel like if you had rewound, you know, like 10 years ago and 16 year old Kiara was like, these are all the things I want to have done by the time I was 26. Like yeah. I really accomplished like a quarter of those things. Yeah, I fully like sixteen-year-old Kiara. Was like, I'm gonna be married. I'm gonna be living in a house. Like, I was like, I just had this idea of of what I thought my life was going to be in my in my mid twenties. Um, and I know that we're young. I know that. Like, I I twenty six is not old by any means. I'm not trying to not trying to make anybody who's listening who's above the age of twenty six feel bad about this. But like, I know I have time to do all of those things. But you also like realize that there's parts of your life that you can't get back. Like the part of your life being really young and stupid and just, you know, like going out on like a Monday night and like not having to work the next morning because you don't have classes till 1130 or maybe you have an online class and you get to sleep in. Like, I don't know. Like it just, it made me think about like, do I have any regrets? Like, do I have any regrets knowing that this train is never slowing down and I'm not going to be able to go back to the the stop or the station that I maybe wanted to stop off and stay a little bit longer at. And I think there's, especially now when we've learned how unpredictable life can be, um, there's something to be said about being able to go with the flow and just take it day by day and just try and focus on what you can control now instead of worrying about what the future is going to bring. Because like, we don't, we have no idea if like nobody knew a year ago that COVID was
1: going to hit. No. Oh my God. No. Yeah. And I mean, no one really can predict anything, really. And yeah, I agree. I think oftentimes, like, I feel like myself, especially included in this, like, I've harped on a lot of things that I haven't been able to do like you mentioned. And then I like this line when he says, so scared of getting older. I'm only good at being young. So I play the numbers game to find a way to say that life has just begun. And like that line, those lines really resonated with me because I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm kind of playing this numbers game right now with myself. I'm like, okay, well, I'm only like 26. So I still have like four more years till 30, but it's like, why does my life have to stop at 30? Right? Like that's not... True, I'm only good at being young. Like, I only really know how to be young. I'm like, when does reality set in? When is that switch going to happen where I'm going to be like, shit, I want to move in with my partner? I want to, you know, have kids. Like, when is that switch going to happen? And for me, like, it hasn't happened yet. For some, it may have. And yeah great for them, but I have that fear. And I feel like John Mayer has that fear. And I was like, John Mayer is me. I am John Mayer. I am, I am him. Me.
0: <laughs> we are kindred spirits, myself and yeah. John Mayer. You know, we speak, we're we speaking a lot about the lyrics, but the composition of the song and the actual music is also very well done. I mean, we know it's like soft rock, easy listening, um, but it it does kind of carry this like weightless energy, like a very easy energy for a song that can be very stressful if you read the lyrics. And being like, oh my God, like I'm only good at being young, but then the song is so like calming and soothing. So I really like how he juxtaposed those two ideas in in this song as well.
1: He has this way of talking about his music where it's kind of like super artsy and weird, but just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, Sad hope. That is the word. Sad hope. That's what he used for in repair. But I feel like this, a lot of his songs have sad hope. That's what I have right now. Sad hope for the the world. Yeah,
0: I think that like encapsulates it perfectly actually yeah John Mayer equals sad hope okay we'll move on I I'm gonna on this this theme of sad hope I'm gonna run with the sad for a moment okay because I do feel like the sad when John when John lives in the sad that's where he does some of his best work um, yeah yeah my favorite song on the record hands down is slow dancing in a burning room
1: oh yes I that song like pulls things out of me Oh goosebumps. Yeah. And even just like the very
0: beginning, like that, that like riff at the beginning, it's like doo doo, do yeah. do 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 do. And as soon as I hear that, I'm just like, oh my God. Like I'm just like, it's happening, it's happening all over again. I'm reliving it. I'm reliving it. Like Yeah. It's just, it's it is, it does kind of have a sad, hopeful, yeah. sad, hopeful sort. Why can't I say it? Sad <laughs> and hope.
1: It's full of sad and hope. It's <laughs> full of sad. It's full of hope.
0: Yeah. Um But I do think overall, it's probably one of the saddest songs in the world because that metaphor, so the song is called slow dancing in a burning room. So just the metaphor of like, I I just imagine there's like a couple and they're in a house and the house is in flames Mm -hmm. and all they can do knowing that like, this is the end. All they can do is just slow dance with no music around them. Everything's burning up and they're going to be dead soon. And yep. that's not, I know that the song is not actually about like a burning house on fire,
1: but like- <laughs> That is it's, the imagery I have too.
0: That's the imagery. And, and that's the, it, it's a metaphor for a dying relationship, right? He he kicks yep. it right off in one of the uh, verses where he says like, this is the deep and dying breath of this love that we've been working on. Like, mm-hmm. this is our last stand as you and me, as a, as a romantic couple. Like, it's two people who know that something is over and like wanna let go, but can't. And, and all they can do is just kind of hold on for those last few Dying moments. And I'm just like, oh my God, it's so heartbreaking, but it's so beautiful. And we've talked in the pod before too about songs where songs about falling out of love and how that can be even more heartbreaking than like. Mm-hmm. Having this like event, like having this kind of stake driven in your relationship versus just like all of a sudden this, this person who meant everything to you means less and less and less in a romantic sense. And I just think that, again, I just think it's so heartbreaking. Uh, takes me back to people like Adele and Amy Winehouse. Um, yes. Definitely yeah. reminds me of like uh, love is a losing game. It's yes. very boozy, very sad. Like the Amy Winehouse track. It's a sad, it's not even a sad jam. It's just sad. But I think it's beautifully written. I think the lyrics are amazing. And it's a hundred and ten percent my favorite John Mayer song on this record.
1: Yeah. I actually had a different interpretation. So I love that oh. you talked about the slow falling out and fizzling out of a relationship because that makes sense to me. But I think for me, because when I was listening to this album, I was listening to it in order, right? And you know, you have other songs on the album, I guess, like I Don't Trust Myself with Loving You. That's the one. Yeah. Because um, the song to me was like the sexual tension that you have with someone that you're constantly oh. breaking up with and getting back together. And for me, the dancing, slow dancing in a burning room is like you're playing with fire You're with that person, you know. Interesting, because at the end he sings, "Don't you think you ought? We ought to know by now, don't you think we would have learned somehow?" It's a dying love. They're trying to hook up again. We, they know they're not good for each other, but there's this sexual tension that's probably still there. Then that's the burning room. So that was my interpretation of it. I don't know. That's so interesting. Yeah, you
0: know, no, I've never thought about it that way before. But like, hey, that's that's the beauty of music, right? Those everybody's yeah. gonna have their own uh their own idea of what he's talking about. I think that's really cool. I, I never would have thought of it that way, but I mean, like, I mean, hey, playing with fire.
1: I like Maybe to live dangerously. With fire. I, like that. <laughs> I also like to live dangerously. Uh, Austin Powers, maybe. Most of my humor is shaped by um, Austin Powers. You have uh, a very Mike Myers-centric
0: humor. I have a Mike
1: Myers. I am Mike Myers, yeah, Because every
0: time we come and do the pod, I get the Wayne's world. As we transition in between sections. I mean, Austin Powers was definitely the last thing I was expecting us to talk about with this record.
1: But I mean, I'm happy it came up.
0: Okay, so where do you want to go next, Farah?
1: Okay. If we're talking about slow dancing in a burning room, I feel like we should really talk about, I don't trust myself with loving you.
0: Interesting. Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: John Mayer is the bad boy of blues. Bad boy He's of blues. He's
0: the bad boy of soft rock.
1: Bad boy of soft rock from Connecticut, baby. <laughs> I feel like the he is kind is- of a bad boy though. He is kind of like the bad boy of Connecticut. He is. And like, I mean, I won't go too far into this, but he there are so many interviews of him, you know, kind of talking about his life and he really loves his art and his craft, but of course he really likes women and he gets a bad rap for it. And I feel like sometimes, you know, we got to give credit where it's due and he's a really good artist, but this song gave me some good insight into the mind of J.M., And gave me some good insight into like why, I will say people in general, but this is from my own experiences with heterosexual men.
0: Put it out there, girl. Put it out there.
1: Well, whatever. It's fine. Like, I feel like a lot of people can relate to this too. When there's somebody who really likes you or whatever, and they are trying to put themselves out there, but they just, there's something holding them back. And when you're on the receiving end of that, you're like... Why? Is there something wrong with me? Whatever. But really, like it's growth when you start to realize it's not you, it's it's them. Like really? In the song, he he kind of sings, you know, hold on to whatever you find, baby. And that psychologically hit kind of deep because when you really like someone, you kind of justify their actions all the time, even though they're being really toxic and avoiding yeah. you or whatever. And then, you know, they just kind of leave. Like he says, I will beg my way into your garden, then I'll break my way out when it rains. So, you know, he doesn't stay through the hard times, but he's there for the good. And just to get back to the place where <laughs> I started- He's there for the garden. Can't, yeah. Can't want you back so I can want you back all over again it's like this the cycle yeah he's like I'll be there when it's time to harvest the tomatoes
0: (laughs) but as soon as harvest season's over out of there
1: I'm out of there yeah as as the leaves
0: start to change girl yeah
1: yeah exactly so I that's why I really like this song and I mean of course musically it's really great too it's just very different sounding if you know what I mean
0: like different for John Mayer just different overall
1: overall I feel like maybe it's different for me because I obviously listen to different types of music. This song is different for me. I don't trust myself with loving you. I just really like the song.
0: I have to say I have a very similar interpretation of this song, but I added it to my list of songs that I don't love. Oh, actually. Oh, interesting. The reason being is because I feel like I'm just over the idea of songs where guys are like like warning a, a girl, like, baby, like, you don't want to get involved. You don't want to get all up in this mess. Like, you mm-hmm. can't save me. I'm a bad, I'm the bad boy of Connecticut. You know what I mean? Like, I get kind of sick of that sometimes. When when you were here last time, we talked about Bruno Mars. And he's got the song, yep. Run Away. Like, mm-hmm. run run away from me, baby. Like, don't stay too long. Like, I'm lady ma- ladies' man, and you're just going to get hurt in the process. I feel like I've just had too many, like, similar to you. I'm like, I've just had really shitty experiences, particularly with, like, online dating, mostly. Too yeah. many sh- hinge experiences with guys yeah. who are just, like, who who are like that where it's like oh like you don't want to get involved with me because I'm I'm this person and like I don't like like to to get too attached I like to live dangerously and I'm just like oh my god then why are you on hinge like come on here then we don't need you like bye Felicia um (laughs)
1: you literally bye Felicia (laughs)
0: literally but I'm also like I'm a grown-ass woman like I can make my own decisions and if I like you enough and I want to talk to you and possibly go on a date with you and enter into a relationship with you like don't try and influence me. Like I'm smart enough to make my own decisions. Like I'll be the judge of that. And it's kind of like, I guess I'm treating it like a capo. And again, this is where like my dating experience is coming because it's so easy for you mm-hmm. to tell somebody like, no, like this isn't the right time or I have things I have to work on or I'm really busy yeah. with work. And those are valid excuses. I respect that. If you are honest about that, I respect that. But I think sometimes people use it like facetiously because they're just like, well, this is an easy way for me to get out of a relationship with this person. There is a line that I do actually really love, even though overall the song I it's I'm not crazy about the line I love is who do you love me or the thought of me and he repeats Uh. that a couple times where he's like me or the thought of me me or the thought of me and I'm just like true I mean that's deep man like
1: John Especially, Mayer hitting all the spots. This album was a lot of emotional labor. I'm not going to lie. A
0: hundred percent was a hundred percent. And it's like, it's pretty cathartic in a way too. Cause it also yeah. got me reflect, like thinking and, and reflecting. And I was just like, damn, like, did I actually like this guy? Or did I just like the idea of him? You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. was like, huh? Okay, John Mayer, I see you. I see you. I see you Bridgeport, Connecticut. So <laughs> <laughs> like overall, yes, I don't think I'm going to, I'm not going to put this song on the list of songs that I love. It's not like a you know, hate with the fire of a thousand suns, but I don't love it.
1: Yeah. And I was even thinking about that messaging too. I was like, why does the song, I think that's the song hits kind of deep. Cause I'm kind of masochistic when it comes to my music. I'm like, Oh my God, this reminds me of a shitty experience. But like John Mayer just like gets me, you know? And on top of that, I mean like musically, the way the song is composed is amazing like the way he kind of works with the warped guitar and then yeah the um the horns in the end um I definitely appreciated that because you know it's mostly like him and his trio or whatever so this one had a little bit more layering to it but yeah 100% I I hear you with the songs a little bit triggering for some of us of past relationships that have not gone well
0: if anything else John Mayer is telling the truth
1: hopefully is it I don't excusable? know him personally. Yeah, I know it's almost like he's. Is it more excusable because he put it in an art form? You know, like he's still a dick, but at least he sang. At least it has a cool tune, and he tied a ribbon on it. Whatever. I mean,
0: that's more than I can say for the guys that I date off of Hinge. So yeah. Um, but let's let's go back. I'm gonna go back to a song that um, I had a very positive reaction to, um, which is "Waiting on the World to Change,"
1: mm-hmm.
0: which mm-hmm. was interesting because. I think I listened to this song so much back in 2006 that I got sick of it. And I was like over it and it was everywhere and it was just, I had enough of it and I didn't want to listen to it anymore. And then when we decided we were going to do Continuum, I was like, shit, I got to listen to Waiting on the World to Change again. And I wasn't really looking forward to it. It opens up the album. It's the first song that you hear. And I was just a little bit like, really, John Mayer? Like really? You have this great record with all these heart wrenching songs, like Dreaming with a Broken Heart and Slow Dancing in a Burning Room and Gravity and Stop This Train. And you're going to open it with fucking Waiting on the World to Change? Like I was just, I was like almost mad about it before it even started. (laughs)
1: No, I know. I was like, I was choosing the album. (laughs) I was, I know, I chose the album, but I forgot. We forgot. This was the first song, anyway. So he opened opened up Trojan Horse. You know, waiting on the world to change. Look at us in our sad hope, and then heartbreak.
0: Exactly, exactly. So, but 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 listening to it now in this context of 2020, I was like, like you were saying in the beginning, I was like, holy shit. Like this is so relevant nowadays, like way more relevant than I feel like it was in 2006. And he was almost ahead of his time by speaking about, um, how disempowered you can feel as a citizen of the world today. And it's funny because again, with this sad hope feel, it's got a very upbeat rhythm. There's like some plingy, like xylophone, like do, 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 yeah like xylophone action in there and if you strip away the lyrics and you just had the music you wouldn't know that it's very politically charged um and it's it's a song essentially about discontent feeling discontent with the ways of the world and getting impatient waiting for things and in in 2020 like I'm getting impatient with so many things. And so I feel like a lot of other people are like, we're impatient for Trump to lose power. We're impatient for people to defund the police. We're impatient for equality that that people are still fighting for, that we're still fighting for among BIPOC and LGBTQ plus people. We're we're fucking impatient waiting for people to put on their goddamn masks when we've asked them to like 10,000 times already. So it's very frustrating. It carries that air of frustration. And again, in feeling like, sometimes we don't, we can't do enough just as one people. He says, we feel like we don't have the means to rise above and beat it. And one person can make a change. We've seen that in history, but Mm -hmm. it's a long journey to get there. And like, we're, I think young people and millennials have felt so, um, empowered during this time to speak up and use mediums like social media to have their voices be heard. And I think that that's been amazing. Again, the lyrics really speak to me. So when he says, when you trust your television, what you get is what you got. Because when they own the information, they can bend it all they want. And I'm just
1: like, man, like that's basically Fox News. That's fake news. He sings it too. Yeah. Because he he kind of like drags out the nose because when they bend the information and he goes, oh, and then yeah. they can bend it all they want. And I agree. Like, it's so true. It's the Fox News. It's literally like, sometimes it's social media too where you see you know people saying things that are horrible yeah really horrible it, it kind of talks about well now this is more of a thing when you know algorithms kind of get to know what you like and all of a sudden you start seeing those messages more often and that's also not good because you need to kind of hear both sides and make decisions for yourself but I feel like a lot of people are getting too polarized and I mean I agree with everything you're saying, like Black Lives Matter, we need to defund the police, Trump needs to not be in power and all of that. Something that I thought was really interesting about this song is when it came out, it was 2006, um, the early 2000s, we're still kind of in the wake of 9-11, even though it happened years ago. Mm -hmm. And what i really thought was interesting was there's this air of apathy to it like we're waiting on the world to change like we're sick and tired of this but the song is almost like apathy and defeat we're we're young and and we're we're watching this happening and we just want it to end but i feel like this generation this upcoming generation of young people gen z gen z um they're a lot less apathetic about it they're like we're afraid to you know kill a spider but we will fucking defund the police and protest you know but then at the same time like was our generation because I feel like this is kind of encapsulating us as well were we really that apathetic like not really like you're seeing a lot of songs come out like Green Day's American Idiot, Black Eyed Peas, Where's the Love, Mm -hmm. The the Chicks as they're now called Not Ready to Make Nice about George Bush and the Warren Wait they're just called
0: The Chicks? The Dixie Chicks are just called The Chicks?
1: Yes because... I think the term Dixie has some sort of ties uh, towards slavery. Anyway, a tangent, but I feel like yeah, he's thinking about being apathetic about this and just being like, all right, we're we're waiting. We we want our neighbors to come home from war, but at the same time, like there were other millennials out there who were making music and who were trying to protest and talk about these things. But you know, maybe it wasn't as seen because now we have social media and it's a lot more prevalent. Oh, there's a good line in the song. It's hard to be persistent when we're standing at a distance. And I think that was a very powerful statement because if he's referring to the war in Iraq, yeah, like it's happening at a distance, but stuff still happened in the US. And again, kind of selfish because like there's stuff going on around the world that we should be concerned about. Yeah, But now we're not standing at a distance anymore. There's social media, but also this is happening like here, right? Like yeah, we're seeing people having their rights taken away. We're seeing people who are being belittled and bullied. And I'm, I'm glad that people aren't being apathetic about it anymore. Absolutely. I'm not being apathetic about it anymore. That's for sure.
0: Absolutely. hundred percent agree. Great song. Um, I, I fully take back everything I originally thought about how he was stupid to put this as, as the opener of the record. I was like, no, he knew what he was doing. <laughs> He knew it. John, he knew. John knew what he was doing. He knew back, you know, 14 years ago, he was like, mm-hmm, this is going to be it. This is going to be the big yeah. song. I'm going to kick it to you next, Farrah. Where do you want to go from here? Let's go to
1: Dreaming with a Broken Heart. Yes. I feel like I pick all the depressing songs. You chose the more hopeful song and I'm like, all right. Girl, slow dancing in a burning room? Not hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite. But yeah, let's take it to Dreaming with a Broken Heart because that piano in the beginning... Almost like the My Chemical Romance song when you just play the one note. But for this one, you have to hear like a few notes. I'm like, oh... I know this one, you know, yeah, and you're, you're like, like oh, I'm ready for it. You hear it and you're
0: just like, oh, okay, I'm ready to get hurt again.
1: Hurt me. Yeah. As I said, I'm kind of masochistic with my music taste. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. Like we kind of talked about, I love this song because I have very vivid memories of watching Twitch on So You Think You Can Dance, dancing to the song and just how heartbreaking it was. And because I was kind of at that age where you were starting to understand things a little bit more um it hit me and i was like oh shit and then i wrote here it's a breakup song if i ever did listen to one like damn 100%. It's a simple melody. It's beautifully written. He builds, he has the guitar, he has the guitar solo and then yeah. you know he he had i don't know how he does it so seamlessly where the guitar just complements whatever he's singing so perfectly and then yeah. the guitar takes it away. It builds because it starts really slow and you're like when you're dreaming with a broken heart, giving up is the hardest part, blah, blah. blah. And he starts to talk about the imagery behind it. And you're like, she takes you in with her crying eyes. and Then all at once you have to say goodbye. Like, fuck. Yeah. Fuck. It
0: is. It's literally that. It's that reaction to this song. hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Was she really here? Is she standing in my room? No, she's not because she's gone. And she's he gone. Repeats, gone. And you're like, gone, 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 gone. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah. It was yeah. all a dream. Inception. Yeah. Inception. Yeah. Oh God. So this song definitely takes me on a, on a real trip.
0: I yeah. am hundred percent with you. Another incredibly sad song. Definitely reminiscent. It's so funny that we're doing this album together because it's so reminiscent to me of wake up alone by Amy Winehouse. Oh my God. Yeah.
1: I didn't even put that together, but you're so right
0: also came out in 2006. Like, it was a sad time for music. 2006 was a sad jam year. Oh, yeah. Because Wake Up Alone, the idea in Amy Winehouse's Wake Up Alone is she's like, it's okay during the day. Like, I got things to keep me busy. I got things to do. But then when I go to sleep and I wake up alone, it's just like, oh, man, like, this person has now left me. Similar to John Mayer, like, maybe in your dreams and you're just like, you can picture the person that you love and it almost feels so real that they're with you. And then you wake up and you're just like, oh, but I still have a broken heart. Like this sucks. Like you said, beautifully composed, so simple. Yet when it goes into, now do I have to fall asleep with roses in my hand and Mm -hmm. it explodes into that bridge? I'm just like, oh my God, so many feelings. Like I just like, I'm in a glass case of emotion. Like I'm just, I'm living for it, living for it. And, And the idea of knowing that, waking up is the hardest part of being alone because you can escape to a place when you're sleeping Mm -hmm. that is happier. But yet when you're like trying to like live your life and go about your day, like it's so hard. And, and, and you like every, every step you take is like a struggle. Everything you do is a struggle is just like, Oh, and I'm like, dude, been there, been there, John. But you, you,
1: you pinned it. You pin that down. You pin that shit right down. What if he's heartbroken because the person he loves is dead? You know. Oh, I was thinking about it because dreaming with a broken heart and waking up is the hardest part. But he talks about sleeping. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sleep. Sometimes that's a metaphor for dying, and is this person going to come back and visit him in his dreams, and he can, you know, be with that person? That was also another interpretation that I had that I thought I'd share.
0: No, that's, again, interesting way to look at it. Definitely did not go that depressing route, but thanks for that, Farah. Much appreciated.
1: You're welcome. It's the whiskey. Over to you. I got to talk about gravity. Oh, yes. What was your take on gravity? So
0: I think this song is perfect for like, like, let me paint this picture for you, baby. (laughs) Throwback, throwback (laughs) to episode episode 11. Um, (laughs) Like, you've had a long day at work and like- Shit is happening yeah. and you're just so over it and you're so done. And all you want to do is like get home and relax. And you just yeah. feel so overwhelmed with everything. It's like fucking COVID. It's Summer is over. Like you're just, you're like, man, everything is just like weighing so heavily on my mind right now. This song is perfect for that exact moment when you've had a long ass day and you just want to wallow for a little bit. You want to be sad and you want to let that heaviness really take over you because the whole, the whole backbone of this chorus is gravity wants to bring me down everything is working against me gravity is a force that we have no fucking control over and yet it is also working against me and it's just pushing it's just pushing mm-hmm. it's pu- pulling me down into the depths of the earth and the guitar that he uses in this song too like it's it's very very bluesy very motown it suits the energy of the song absolutely perfectly um and i think too he also touches on like how we sometimes it's self-inflicted this feeling of being overwhelmed because he says it's wanting more that's going to send me to my knees and I think we're always chasing more like we're you know we want to advance our careers so we take on more projects at work or we we take on other people's bullshit because we're trying to make excuses for them and we just we put so much pressure on ourselves and we're the ones weighing ourselves down but we're blaming it on something like gravity we're blaming it on all these outside forces when really we're part of the problem by not putting our hands up and being like holy shit I'm drowning like someone please save me and then I love at the end how he keeps singing like. Just keep me where the light is. Like, no matter what, no matter how heavy, pun intended, gravity, no matter how heavy things might feel, as long as I can stay where the light is and have that, like, beacon of hope, sad hope again, as long as I can have that in the distance somewhere, then like, then I'll be okay. And I actually have to share. So a friend of mine at work who is obsessed with this album, um, sent me an amazing quote, um, which I'm going to share with you, uh, a quote from John Mayer, which he, he talked about when he was writing Gravity. John Mayer said, This is the most important song I've ever written. It's a time capsule song. I will listen to it every day of my life if I need to. It's honest to God, the most important song I've ever written in my life. And it has the fewest words. I was in LA and I was there just for the summer, just writing tunes. And I was in the shower and I don't know where it came from, but it's just the damn truth, you know? And I just sang, gravity is working against me. So it's like, I just imagine John Mayer in the shower, just being like, oh, my life. Like, what is my life? And then just like Yeah. And then just singing to himself, like, gravity is working against me. You know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And then him just being like, holy shit, I got to write that down. That's a line. That's a hit, baby. That's a hit. That's a hit. (laughs) I had to share that. And I think it's so important, too, that, like, this song means a lot to him, even as the person who wrote it. I think that's pretty special.
1: Yeah, I think that is really special. And it's so funny that you talked about that imagery of coming home from a long day of work and just sitting down because because that's also how I imagine this song, because it it's it's everything. It's um being sad about something. It's being overwhelmed. It's not having enough mental space to take care of yourself. And you're trying to keep yourself where the light is, which is your hope, your sanity, whatever you want to interpret that as. And, and you know, since you kind of have to surrender to it too. Like he says, you know, stay the hell away from me, but it's all around you. Like ironically, it's gravity. It's like all around you. You can't escape it. Yeah. A part of me also kind of interpreted this as, you know, a part, breakups, again, talking about breakups, but because a lot of his music kind of relates to love and relationships, it's basically a song talking about how you're just kind of there in your sadness. And you're like, stay the hell away from me, but you you can't. It's just, you know, it's always going to be there. It's catching up to you. It's finally caught up to you. It's bringing you down. Absolutely. It's such an honest and raw and vulnerable song. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, and I think it's something that everybody can relate to one of my faves. Do you have
1: any more faves Kiara?
0: Okay. So I have one more fave that I I think I only have one more that I want to talk about. Yes. I have one more that I like, love, 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 which was an interesting one for me because I actually heard it for the first time in prepping for the pod. It was one that I had missed back in the day because I couldn't have the full album back in the day. Um, but I believe it's the very last song on the album. I'm going to find another you. Oh, okay. I really like this song. To me, it gives me like Sam Cooke vibes. So, like very old school Motown. Clearly a song about getting broken up with and trying to move on, but he does it in a very empowering way. So he says, "You take your sweaters, you take your time. You might have your reasons, but you'll never have my rhyme. I'm going mm-hmm. to sing my way away from the sing my way away from the blue." And so And hearing that, I'm like, yeah, okay. You know what? Like this sucks. Like I got broken up with, this person walked away from me and and I'm pissed about it, but I've got my strengths and that's, you know, that's, that's, that's music, baby. That's record making, baby. And I'm going to thrive. Just (laughs) do wait, baby. baby. Like just do wait, girl. I'm going to dig myself out of this hole. So he's like, he's bummed about it, but he knows he's deserving of love. He knows that he will move on one day. It's going to be hard, but he can do it. And he can't wait to find a person who's going to give him what he's looking for. Um, And he even says, if I'm forced to find another, I hope she looks like you. And she's nicer too. And I was like, shade. Shade. shade John Shady Mayer. Bye. That Bridgeport Shade. What I also really like, and I guess this comes back to like the album in general, but like if you think about what, what a continuum is, a continuum is basically like a series of, you know, numbers or data or change that happens in, in small increments from one end of the spectrum to another. But it happens in such small increments that you don't actually realize when you've gotten to one opposite end of the spectrum where the end result is so different from where you started. So for mm-hmm. me, in seeing this record come full circle from Waiting on the World to Change, which, which is, again, this call for political action versus I'm going to find another you, which was like totally different from what he was talking about when he started the record, I feel like he's achieved this continuum vibe in 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 ending it on this song. And we've had so many journeys in the middle. We've had journeys about growing up in stop this train and, and feeling sad with gravity and getting, uh, like being heartbroken and slow dancing in a burning room, dreaming with a broken heart, and then being upset and frustrated with vultures. Like, we've come through all of these small little changes to get to this point that's like, I'm gonna stick to my craft. I'm gonna grab my guitar. I'm gonna fucking move on and things are gonna be okay. Yeah. And I think that that's a really empowering way to end a record.
1: It is. I'm I'm glad that you kind of brought that up too in the order of the songs because we talk about sad hope a lot and we start off the album with that hope aspect, even though it's kind of sad. And we're ending off with something that is also hopeful, where he's determined that he's going to find somebody new, even after we've been through this entire journey, right? Yeah. I think I messaged you that like I went through the seven stages of grief with this album like it was a lot. Seriously. I'm gonna find another you I'm hopeful the way I kind of describe it is his guitar really pulls at you like the way that he plays it when he does the bluesy rift when he sings I'm gonna find another you and you know he does that little rift I'm like oh yeah I'm hopeful, but I'm still sad, you know? Absolutely. Continually just like on the uh, emotional roller coaster with- It's John emotional
0: Ayer. continuum. It's just like, we're either we're either here or there.
1: There's no I'm neither. Yeah. I'm neither like happy, happy. Or, well, maybe more on the sad side, but where it's just oscillating between I'm okay. And then like, oh God. I'm not okay. okay. Oh God. Yeah.
0: Okay. Farrah, we've talked a lot about the songs on Continuum by John Mayer. Um, at this point in the podcast, we need to rate the album out of five John Collins cocktails. So, oh my God! Can you leave me with your your last closing thoughts, your closing arguments, if you will on why you think Continuum is either a great record or a not so great record and how many cocktails you would give it out of five.
1: I think we all know what's coming because I got a little <laughs> about this album and I'm sorry I took everybody on this like journey with me and you know, and I've seen him Don't ever apologize
0: for the journey. Don't ever apologize. It, okay. Don't stop I will train. not.
1: Don't stop the no, train. I'm not stopping the train. That was my train going <laughs> off girl, like damn. But anyway. Off the rails. It was going, I was going off the rails. <laughs> that was a really good one. <laughs> Okay. pun city tonight it is pun city pun city i love that this album was just so well thought through um after doing more research and learning a little bit more about his process his train huh, of thought behind <laughs> the songs that he's written um and his just the messaging behind all of the songs it grows well with you that grow together type love. I I grew with this album and I want to give it five John Collins out of five because this is one of my all-time favorite albums.
0: Big time. Big time rating, five out of five. I I didn't really know when we decided to do this album, I wasn't sure how I was going to rate it. I feel like Mm -hmm. normally um, after I listened to it like, you know, once or twice uh, and and re-listen to everything and kind of get my notes all in order, I have a pretty good idea of what I'm going to rate it. But even as we were chatting today, I feel like it it did push me to rate this album a little bit higher than I was originally expecting. Oh. Um,
1: oh, interesting.
0: I do think that in speaking to you and seeing how much this record means to you and how, in light of everything that's going on right now, how much, how relatable it is, um, it's so much more substantial than, like, pre-Continuum John Mayer. Like, it's, yeah. it's so much more substantial to me than, like, Your Body is a Wonderland or Why Georgia or, like, The Room for Squares era. Like, it, yes. it just means so much more. yes. Um, and I really appreciate like, you know, for me, somebody like John Mayer, he's, he's allowing himself to be very vulnerable in his music. He's allowing himself to speak about heartbreak and to speak about um, things like, like gravity weighing him down. Yeah. And it kind of, in a way, paved the way for people
1: like, like people like Drake. I was going to gonna say Drake. Yeah. To sing
0: about their feelings. Male and like
1: sensitivity. Yes. It's a thing. It needs to be a thing.
0: It's a thing. It 100% needs to be a thing. And I think John Mayer was the first person who kind of took that and ran with it and wasn't afraid to, to be that type. And you can say what you want about like, you know, John Mayer being a ladies man or whatever it is, but like he can shred, he can write songs, he can relay some pretty powerful shit in a, a seemingly easygoing track. And I don't think that comes around very often. So this, this has got to be a five for me too. Gotta yeah. be a five. I, I, I couldn't sleep tonight. I couldn't dream with a broken heart tonight. I would be dreaming with a broken heart <laughs> if I gave it less
1: than a five. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And you hit the nail on the head. Like the albums before this were good, good, but I feel like we kind of saw the more mature John Mayer where he's starting to realize things and starting to realize that his life is finite his life is meaningful. And, you know, he starts to put a little bit more meaning and meat behind his music. And that's what makes this kind of a masterpiece.
0: Well, look, Farah, I really appreciate you chatting with me today, coming on via Zoom to talk about this um, album. And uh, as always, love
1: your inputs and uh, how much research you put into the the record. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing that. You're welcome. It was always a, it's always a pleasure to be here. To all the pod listeners, go and see John Mayer in concert, or just listen to his music live. His live on stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, where the light is. Um, there's a a Where the Light Is album is a live album. It's fantastic.
1: Give it a listen because he is honestly at his best
0: live. And maybe one day when, you know, when all this shit is over, we can see artists in in, in person again.
1: That's my hope. Keeping my fingers crossed. Yes, we will we will see JM one day. We will
0: see JM one day. Bad boy of Bridgeport, Connecticut.
1: Hey. (laughs) Hey.
0: Um, thanks again so much for coming, Farah. And can't wait to have you on for a seventh time. Next time, whenever that may be.